This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones, and today our topic is real estate. Our guest is Rosalind Clark, a real estate broker who sells high-end homes in Palm Beach, Florida. She's a Brit, and she started out with a London-based travel company that handled luxury rental properties around the world. She'll describe how she landed in Palm Beach and how she became a major player in this very challenging market. Rosalind will talk about what it takes to succeed in real estate. And she'll offer tips for people who are thinking about a possible career as a broker. Rosalind, thank you so much for joining me today. I I know real estate is a topic of interest to lots and lots of people. Uh, But before we get into that, also interesting is your own career story. I, I know you grew up in England and now you are a top-flight real estate broker in Palm Beach, Florida. So what I want to start with is, can you tell us a little bit about how how you um, landed in Palm Beach, how your career developed uh, so that now you're uh, a major real estate player? Yes, certainly. And thank you, Beverly, for inviting me to be on this podcast. Um, well, it all started in Portugal, and my friend's uh, parents owned a villa there, and we used to go when we were about 14 years old, and uh, we met a rather glamorous group who were older than we were, and we became friends, and it turned out that uh, they had um, a business renting villas, luxury villas, in the south of Portugal. So when our paths crossed back in London, um, Neville Roberts invited me to join his company. So it was very exciting, and I did a lot of traveling uh, thanks to the company. I went to uh, Portugal, Greece, Jamaica, and the island of Hydra in Greece. And um, one thing led to another, and I became a workaholic. So I I was doing something I loved. It involved talking to clients on the phone and recommending villas to them and it was really a, a wonderful job. It so, sounds like so much fun for a young person to travel around and deal with villas. Oh, absolutely. And the people are so interesting that you meet through doing that. So, And there are many stories which I won't bore you with now, but uh, it is quite an experience for a young person. Um, and then um, they asked me to go and to come to Palm Beach and open an office. So I did that. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the owner of the company was rather extravagant and um, ran the company into the ground. So I was uh, suddenly left here with no job and trying to decide what I should do next. And uh, one thing I decided was I wanted to stay in Palm Beach. Was was the weather a factor? Oh, well, it certainly helped after London. Absolutely. But uh, I really had made friends, and I enjoyed being here. So I, it, was, it was a difficult decision in, in a way, but um, I think it was the right one. So how did you go about 
starting a career in real estate. I, I know it's a career of interest to a lot of people who are shifting. And so I, I guess the, uh, a lot of people do kind of move over. But in a new community, how did you get started uh, building your client base and kind of learning the local ropes? Well, actually, it was quite difficult for me because I hadn't grown up here. I didn't have, I had friends, but I didn't have maybe the right friends as far as building a business. They were rather like me. And um, so I um, basically took one step at a time. And I actually had met people through my real estate, uh, my uh, travel business rentals. And one of these ladies um, called me one day and asked me if I would list her house. Well, of course, it was an expensive house. It was actually direct oceanfront. And uh, I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So I contacted my very good friend, Ben Johnson, and I said, would you share this listing with me? He was actually one of the top brokers at the time in Palm Beach. So he knew the ropes. And uh, we ended up selling it to Arnold Scarzi, who was the uh, the designer. Um, and uh, so that was my first sale. And That's a good starting to... point. Well, it was a very good starting point, actually. <laughs> I, I didn't quite realize that at the time, but yes, it was. And um, basically, one thing led to another. Um, I actually never went with a broker, which you always have to have a broker um, in order to operate. But what I did was I contacted a broker and asked them to be my broker and that I would compensate them for being my broker. So I was always basically on my own. Um, and then uh, 1980, uh, got together with two other brokers and we started our own company. And uh, so one thing led to another there. And so uh, we ended up building up the uh, biggest company in Palm Beach as far as um, not in volume, but in uh, number of transactions. And we had 45 brokers working for wow. us. Wow. Well, can I pause uh, a second here on your, your story? Not all of our listeners uh, are necessarily um, have a, a sense of what Palm Beach is like it's it's basically an island it's a little cut off from the world I it felt to me in my like one or two visits there can you tell us a little bit about Palm Beach yes Palm Beach is uh, a barrier island um, it's 16 miles long and less than one mile wide it's actually the third most affluent zip code in the U.S. after Fisher Island in Miami and uh, Atherton in California so we're number three. Um, it's named after the palm trees, which were uh, washed ashore when there was a shipwreck in 1878. And uh, the local residents planted the coconuts. And voila, we have uh, plenty of palm trees in Palm Beach. Um, the first house built was Seagull Cottage, which was built in 1886 for Henry Flagler who developed Palm Beach. He was the Standard Oil founder. And um, then it went slightly dormant. There were a few houses built, but not many. 
And then in the 1920s, a lot of the those who'd made fortunes from the Gilded Age um, built very elaborate mansions and only used them for six weeks a year. But it became a very popular uh, six weeks with a lot of social gatherings and a lot of events, a lot of galas, a lot of very glamorous things. So it, that's when it really started, and it's basically gone on from there. Um, the, the areas attracted, certainly at that time, plenty of royalty, people like the Duke and Duchess of Windsor and other luminaries. So, My, my sense is that uh, there are floating communities, not people I know, but people who are kind of very wealthy and they can spend a lot of money for a house in, for six weeks. Um, but they also have places in London or New York and other places. So I'm guessing that for your client base, it's not about that little island. It's about people who are sort of um, global, like your first uh, experience, people who, who move around in ways the, West, the rest of us can't imagine. Is that correct? Yes, although I would say the predominant number of Palm Beaches come from the northeast of the states. Um, there is a triangle, New York, ha the Hamptons, Palm Beach. Um, so mostly I would say Northeast and Canada, but then there are people who come from Europe, there are people who come from California. Um, so there is a there are a smattering of people from the Midwest and other areas, but predominantly the Northeast. And of course, this has gone now for six from six weeks to maybe a few months, and people fly in and out um, during the winter months. Uh, they may be working in New York, but they come down for the weekend. So I've got two questions for you, two related questions. One is, um, what do you like most and least about your real estate? activities your as a career what are the best parts and the worst parts and then this the second part of that is um what do you like uh, best and least about having a career in a very competitive market like uh palm beach so what what do you love about uh being a a real estate maven well, the thing I think I love most is the fact you never know what the day will bring. When you get up in the morning, you have no idea what will happen and how you have to react. And so it makes every day exciting. It doesn't get boring in general. Um, so I like that aspect of it very much. I like the fact that I meet a lot of extremely interesting people who I would never meet probably under normal circumstances, and many of them have become very good friends. So that is an aspect I like. Um, I think the minus of the business is that it's 24-7. So it's hard sometimes to make other plans, and you almost have to say to people in advance, well, I will do this, but please know that I might have to cancel or I might have to be interrupted. So... Um, that's that I think is the biggest minus. I often wish one could freeze everything and then you could go off and do what you wanted to do, come back and go back into uh, your work mode. But actually, it's, it is a 24-7 job. So that one, 
someone has to realize that. <laughs> I imagine that's the case no matter where you are. Just the nature of the work is that you're dealing with people in their uh, real lives where things can happen at any moment. And uh, part of being successful is that uh, commitment to service, right? Oh, absolutely. It's a, a people want immediate gratification. So they could call you on a Sunday morning and you they want some information and you have to send it out immediately. So I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful uh, assistant, Sandy Lovett, who um, is, helps me all the time. Otherwise, I would be in a, a very bad state. <laughs> so the other part of the question is, um, what do you love about working in Palm Beach? Because it sounds like a special kind of community with people coming and going. And what are the challenges of maybe not just Palm Beach, but what are the challenges uh, for being in a place where a lot of people have second homes? I think many real estate markets, including, including in rural areas, are pretty hot now because there's a real interest in second homes. So what's that like? Actually, um, I think in some ways this market could be easier because you're dealing with a, a certain client who basically, this is not their only asset. So there's less stress involved. It's just money. And um, so it's not always as important to them as it would be if it was their one and only retirement fund or yeah, a situation like that. So that takes a, that that uh, makes it a little, a little easier. And I think you um, you're dealing with captains of industry and very successful people, and you have to be you know intellectually nimble, and you certainly have to be able to negotiate for them and um, speak their language. So I think all of that is makes life very interesting but it can be uh, a little stressful at times um particularly if things happen and they do happen and you've got to handle them and you have to handle them quickly but i think from my years of experience with this and frankly in the villa business i've learned how to react and turn on a dime and um i think one of my one of the most important advice to somebody getting into this business is that you have to address problems head on. You cannot hide from them and you can't, you, if you address them and you take the stress of addressing them and you deal with it, even if somebody is upset and uh, they're venting um, and you get through it and you sort it out, you basically have that client for life because they appreciate the fact that you didn't run from it the problem that you faced it head on and you solved it we'll be back with bev after this brief message are you ready to make a difference in the world the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that 
The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. So that gets us to the question that a lot of people have uh, about selling. What does it take to be good at selling, whether it's a house or any other kind of product? It sounds like you've just said two things. One is flexibility. You kind of turn on a dime. And the other is uh, sort of radical uh, customer service. Would, Would you say those are two of the things that you kind of consciously think of as part of selling? Oh, definitely. But it also involves, you know, beautiful presentations. Um, you know, what, sometimes I will make a recommend, recommendation to a client. They may not always, not always like it. Uh-huh. Um, we've, I've been very successful using a stager in the last uh, year. And... I've noticed there's a huge difference in a staged house versus one that is not staged. What makes it worth the cost of staging? How how does it impact the potential buyer? Oh, well, I think that they have proved. um, We use a company called Meredith Bear, and uh, I think CBS did a, program on her for their Sunday morning program and on that program she said you know we've actually traced sales and can basically substantiate that the seller gets a better price when it is staged and um, I've definitely seen that myself Um, as far as the buyer goes I think it makes them get more excited and it makes them see how the house lives um, I suppose it's like putting lipstick on or putting your prettiest dress on. You know, it just makes it um, makes everything look better and um, more appealing. It's it's like those home shows on HGTV and other places. So they maybe um, uh, do a, a flip and they uh, they start by doing all of the construction and it still looks like nothing. And then they bring in people to stage it. And that's what the buyers often seem to fall in love with is the, the, the staging that makes it. Well, it, it's so true. And I even did this myself. I had, I bought a house um, and I've been renting it for many years, 20 years, I think. And my designer who was one of my clients and I noticed that every time I sold anything that she had done, and her husband had done that we got top dollar either renting it or selling it so she helped me and I went out and I bought a 18th century sofa table and she said well that's very pretty but she said you can't buy any more of that furniture and so (laughs) I I she helped me I made it look very sleek and useful and young and current and um, I rented it to major people ever since. And in fact, um, in 20 years, 
the first person who's seen it has rented it, with one exception in 20 years. So, and I, people always say, well, that was very clever. And I said, well, it wasn't me. It, I have to give credit to Doc Kaplan because she was the one that advised me. So it feels like uh, you've got a rental property um, and um, you've uh, got a pretty wide circle of connections. Other than um, selling houses, it also sounds like you're doing some rentals. So you're doing a multiple kinds of activities. Is that right? Well, I would say rentals and sales. Um, we don't do any, We don't do commercial estate. We don't manage properties. Um, but rentals are quite a big business here. And of course, uh, through renting houses, you meet people and then they become clients uh, for purchase. So it's extremely um, important to do rentals. In fact, I built my business on rentals because I didn't have the connections in Palm Beach that other people had because they grew up here. So I definitely use that as a springboard for my career. And um, I still do rentals now, and actually I rather enjoy them. Uh, um, but the rentals are, I mean, you could rent a house. I've rented a house for 100000 a month, um, actually. I've, and, um, you know, I rent my own house for very successfully. I've, I'm now do, doing annual rentals. Um, but, uh, it. You know, it's uh, it's quite fun to do rentals, actually. But the thing we're finding now is the market is extremely tight because of the coronavirus, and the rentals are very hard to find. So, uh, what is happening? I think it's then therefore pushing up the sale market because if you can't find a rental, then you have to buy something. Well, let's think about. Um our listeners who might be interested in a career in real estate. Uh, is it your observation, um, like I said earlier, that it seems like a lot of people turn to real estate mid-career? Have you noticed that? Oh, very much. That happens a lot. Um, and some of them are extremely successful. And um, I think... There may be two ways to approach this, uh, maybe more, but let's start at the beginning. Basically, if you were a young person and you wanted to go into the real estate business, I think I would either get a degree in real estate business, in the real estate business, or um, I would go and work for a major broker, either as an assistant or as a team member, so that you really learn the business. And then later on, once you've got your feet, you can then start your own real estate business. Um, and that's what I would suggest for somebody young coming into the business. Um, if I, if, if going back to your question on mid-career, um, I know a lot of people who came in mid-career with absolutely no experience in real estate. Um, and they've been very successful. So it may be they have a lot of friends they know, they're very personable, um, they maybe connect with a broker in another area who feeds them business. That's a very common way to build up your business. Um, but it's quite surprising that mid-career mid people very often um, 
haven't had an experience and do very well. I'm thinking of two uh, women I know who've changed careers into real estate and who've done enormously well. And they um, had, they shared two characteristics. One of them was, I think they'd both been in retail and they had a little small business experience. So that was helpful to them. But in both cases, what really seemed to um, help them is that they had um, extraordinary networks, both Mm -hmm. because they'd sold things, other things, but also they're just people who like to know people. And when they were forced to make career shifts, uh, they kind of looked around and evaluated what they had. And they each had these amazing networks. Is that pretty common that networking is one of the assets that you can bring well, to def- your career? Definitely. And I think if you your network happens to be in the area that your client base is coming from, for example, if you're in Palm Beach and you want to specialize in selling $5 million houses or $10 million houses, then you know you hope your network is actually with people who can do that um but uh, definitely a network is very very important um and on the flip side i have seen people too who just couldn't make it in real estate and it's quite distressing to watch because you know you have to be, be prepared to support yourself for probably a year or maybe longer without any income while you get your footing and that's a tough thing to ask someone to do and sometimes people just don't have the whatever it is (laughs) that's needed and it's uh, you know in another situation they might have thrived but the one they're in it's not working and therefore you have to know when to basically look for another job well, it feels like um, you need a tolerance for risk and you need to have some security uh, before sure. you look at this career. Do you have I think any so. final tips uh, before we say goodbye for people who might be thinking of a career? Well, I think the thing is, um, I think you have to be able to be prepared for disappointments. But I've found sometimes I've had heart-rending disappointments and then a month later, I've had something happen that absolutely came out of the blue and I didn't deserve and it was a wonderful piece of good luck. So I think you have to be able to ride that and cope with the disappointments. There, there are huge disappointments in this business. Um, and it, it's funny because when I went through one of my disappointments, a friend gave me a rock which said, never, never quit. And it's a pretty sort of unattractive rock, I have to say, but it sits on my desk and I look at it sometimes and I think, it's right, never, never quit. You have to keep going. And I suppose you could say that about anything you do in life, you just keep going. I think Um, that's right. (laughs) An element of career success and success in about anything is grit, meaning that when it gets tough, you don't get up give up you just keep marching along and and then the good times come again well Rosalind I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and you've 
given some good information for people who might be thinking about a career. I think there's lots of opportunities that may not be as glamorous as yours, but this feels like an interesting time for real estate. So thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Beverly. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's tip is that you can't plan everything in your career. It's always wise to keep building basic skills like networking and selling so that you're ready to jump when an opportunity does come along. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll come back soon for more good talk about building a rewarding and resilient career. Thank you.